Welcome to Data Science at Home, the podcast about data science for small companies and large enterprises. Data Science at Home is the show where we tell you the skills you need and the tools you can build at home. We are supported by World of Piggy, thinking human world in mathematical terms. Visit worldofpiggy.com or Twitter at World of Piggy. Welcome everybody to another episode of Data Science at Home and this time I'm not alone again. I'm with a researcher, engineer and author of some important articles that have been published on Plus Computational Biology and Science Mag, just to mention a few. Ladies and gents, Eliseo Ferrante, actually Dr. Eliseo Ferrante. Hi Eliseo, welcome to the show, how are you? Hi, Francesco. I'm good. Thank you. What about you? Hi, everyone. I'm pleased to be here today. Eliseo, very few know that we have been studying together in the old good time of university. For all the others, can you introduce yourself? Well, what can I say? I'm uh, yet another Italian that comes from uh, uh, a region called Puglia, you may be familiar with as well. Right. Studied <laughs> and I studied at a university called Politecnico di Milano in the north of Italy. You might know that as well. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Up to here, I, c- I could be introducing yourse- you yourself instead of me, but well, let's go for the difference. <laughs> I spent a study period in the US during my master. Then I did a PhD in Brussels, very no far way. from where I did it. <laughs> and then, uh, po- again, copying you again, I, I did a postdoc in Leuven. Well, and now... <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I th- it seems I'm chasing you. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I d- actually, I don't know who's chasing who. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there is a big difference, I would say. I'm still in academia, and I'm working as a research chair in France. And uh, oh. I think this is a big difference, what do you think? All right, I, I'm actually sorry for you. <laughs> I, I'm really happy of your career, it's, it's really terrific. But what, what exactly do you work? Well, my job is uh, analyzing complex biological systems in nature, and I do so by building simulation models and other type of predictive models. Uh, and also, I test uh, biological hypotheses by analyzing analyzing data produced either by those models or by the real system, the real biological system. Mm-hmm. And I do that by using statistical methods that are, uh, I think, very related to by those used in data science. Interesting. And but what do you mean exactly by complex biological systems? Well, specifically, I'm interested in understanding self-organization and self-organizing biological systems. By that, I mean systems that are composed of different, uh, very large number of components uh, and uh, those that uh, interact with each other and uh, uh, organize into, uh, actually self-organize to produce a complex uh, collective phenomenon that uh, sometimes we can see and sometimes we get even amazed by it. <laughs> and indeed, I am amazed. All of this is extremely interesting. And can you just give me an example? Well, you know, we are, I think, all familiar with the uh, spectacular shows by bird flocks and fish schools. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm familiar with birds. Or uh, a different field, uh, you, the human brain, so f- as a matter of fact, uh, as you, you might all agree, that produces very complex uh, phenomena such as reasoning, intuition, and mm. it's also confused by a big number of smaller entities that are interacting with each other and self-organizing. Wow. I, I remember that I read once Sync by uh, Stephen Strogatz that really fascinated me at the time. Well, it still does. And when he wrote about how fireflies sync, and is that type of biological system that you are dealing with? 
that's absolutely correct. I would say this is the simplest and maybe most elegant example. Wow. So for instance, there are like a million fireflies and they just say, hey guys, let's make a big, big light and three, two, one, shoot. Does it work like that? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, of course, you have to think about these guys as kind of stupid individuals, like very simple, but they behave in a smart and intelligent way as a species or as a group. And, uh, and uh, in this type of things, you can ask, you know, two type of questions. And one question is, how do they do it? How do they do what they do? And uh, the other question is why they do what they do. And so concerning the first question, uh, how they do it, knowing the details about how they do it can help us, by us means engineer, I mean engineers, to create uh, similar systems that to solve real problems. Instead, concerning why they do it, which seems to be uh, your question, mm -hmm. this, uh, this specific example, it, I think it has to do with sexual selection. Uh, so what they do is that the, each uh, of this firefly needs to signal their presence to females because they want to, you know, uh, do something with them. Right. And <laughs> but again, since they are kind of simple and dumb, uh, they cannot be spotted easily. So if they would flash their presence individually, the, the females would have a really hard time to, to see them and none of them would reproduce. So what they do is that they signal, they synchronize to signal collectively in such a way that uh, the big light that you described earlier can be seen by females and uh, each of them individually has a chance to mate with, with these females and although they are giving up, uh, the, like they are basically uh, succumbing to competition because any other male can mate, this is still better than having none of them mating with the females. So of a small chance of mating is better than no chance at all. Wow. So you just said that crowds can be more powerful than individuals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard like that in other species? Like, like do males have to do all the work to maybe get one female? Well, uh, I, no, I would say no. Uh, there are species in which uh, females do all the work and males are kind of useless, uh, except for reproduction. For instance, uh, social insects. Ah, social insects. I thought you were talking about humans. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you can argue about that. Because <laughs> I know a few males like that, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, all right, let's, let's get serious here. Now, I must say that birds always fascinate me. And is that true that they flock to save energy? And did you have to study some kind of biology or zoology before? Well, uh, you know, so if you are interested in the why type of question, the why type of question is exactly a question that interests biologists and uh, zoology is exactly the right uh, subcategory. And, uh, uh, you know, saving energy, as you said, could be one of the motivations or one of the uh, reasons why they evolve such collective behaviors. But of course, as I'm an engineer, I'm more interested in how they do things. Mm -hmm. And then understanding how would allow us to create, you know, swarms or platoons of uh, artifacts like robots or drones that move together. And, you know, they might do things that interest to somebody. Wow. This is amazing. So, like, you study how nature works to find a solution to some of our recurrent problems in artificial intelligence or robotics or swarm intelligence. Have you got anybody in particular so far? Like, uh, I know in Europe there is the European Space Agency or, or NASA. 
well, you know, I think both are very interested in our research. But of course, being in Europe, it means that we uh, we mostly have access to ESA, and ESA has had many collaborations with uh, scientists uh, studying self-organization uh, in the past, and they even have a research group within uh, their establishment that studies exactly this topic. All right, that's cool. So ESA, I know this guy is a friend of mine. All right. <laughs> Uh, when you said that you analyze a bunch of data just like a data scientist, what exactly are you trying to discover? Well, this is not any different from other types of quantitative experimental science. You have uh, some parameters here and there in your models. You have some of those parameters you cannot actually control. And why? Because this is part of the problem that you're studying or part of the environment in which your system is working on, so you cannot really touch it. And other parameters you do have control because you are an engineer, so you are engineering a system. And for those you can control, you want to know how these parameters affect the system. So do they affect it in a positive or negative way? So suddenly you come up with a, a statistical model in which there are uh, these parameters as factors and uh, they somehow have to be included in the model in the right way. Mm. And to be more specific, what type of parameters are usually involved in your analysis? Is time one of them? Yeah, exactly. So time is uh, uh, one of these type of parameters that needs a special treatment. And also you can imagine that you can have uh, several repetitions of the same experiment. And so the, the, the specific repetition is one of the other factor and so on and so on. And, uh, uh, you know, engineers should do this type of statistical analysis all the time. They don't actually do that, I think. And why is that? Uh, well, I think it's because a traditional engineering system is very different from the one we consider. In a traditional engineering system, everything is under control. And when everything is under control, and what is not, you call it noise, uh, you have uh, effects of your uh, methods that are very big. And the big effects need much less complicated statistics or no statistics at all. Mm. Instead, if you study systems that are much more similar to real ones, like biological system, uh, those are more complex and they produce effects that are much, much smaller. And to measure small effects, you need more complicated statistics. Wow. And, and that becomes all more, much more difficult, I, I suppose. And what type of statistics do you use? Like uh, you mentioned hypothesis testing, uh, but do you use some kind of p-value based statistics or Bayesian statistics? Of course, yeah, my, my hypothesis statistics is one main thing, but also we do prediction and uh, single-pole, uh, multiple regression models. So far, no Bayesian, but uh, we use things like bootstrapping or linear mixed model and stuff like that. Now, the folks listening to this podcast are usually big data guys, and I guess that you produce a certain amount of data from your experiments. But to be more specific, how big is this data? I have to be honest here. Of course, it's not as big as in big data. I kind of know what you mean by big data, so I can tell you it's not big data. But... <laughs> so... It's not terabyte of information. That's what, exactly, okay. but it's quite large. And why is that? It's again because of this small effect thingy. To analyze small effects, you need to do many repetitions of, of the, one experiment. This means oh. you produce more data. Another thing we do is that we would like to study evolution in uh, in computer. So we also evolve uh, in a biological system. And when you do an evolution of a biological system, you an evolutionary run. Uh, you typically have to do many evolutionary runs. But then mm. each evolutionary run, you need to evaluate many individuals for mm. many many generations. So for instance, you have uh, one thousand individuals at least 
for 40,000 generation and each evaluation needs to be run more than once due to stochasticity. So right. you can do the math and you see how many uh, data files you produce out of this. Right, so it's basically big data, not for the size, but for system complexity to be run multiple times. And, and, and is it high dimensional data? Uh, yeah, although here you have full control, you do decide mm. what you are looking for, you decide what are the variables of interest, so you decide which columns should be there in your data, and you typically make this number small, because every time mm -hmm. you're interested in different things, I would say never more than 10. I know oh. it's a piece of, piece of cake for you, I mean, you're a real data scientist. <laughs> Thank you very much for the endorsement, this will really play a role on my resume. <laughs> Okay, so how about the tools that you regularly use for this type of work? Well, uh, this is a big thing. Uh, we typically do not have many ready tools to use. We typically build our own tools. We, oh, well, of course, we use a, an existing programming language so like C++ or Python and some basic, very basic scientific packages like GSL you see, mm -hmm. or NumPy in Python. But everything else, I think we built on top of it. And we wow. actually every time build a new simulation tool for that. Uh, there are available ones, but uh, we have specific needs that sometimes require building things from scratch. Right, but that can take a lot of time, I guess. Yes, it does. And for this reason, we are always needing in need of manpower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can make a hiring call here if you like. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. It's uh, for sure an excellent channel for that. <laughs> cool. So you're going to leave us our, your contact in the show notes. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, Eliseo. I, I still don't believe that we just had a podcast episode. And, and I mean, we know each other since so long that our paths have crossed and pulled away like in a butterfly effect <laughs> <laughs> to stay in uh, ordinary differential equation systems <laughs> or like in a Rossler system. You like <laughs> but, that one more, right? Eh? <laughs> but you know what I mean. So yes. <laughs> I, I had so much fun talking to you, Eliseo. I feel exactly the same way, Francesco. We should definitely do this more often. Thank you so much. Good luck with your research, and I'm sure that sooner or later our paths are going to cross again. Thank you very much. Ciao. Data Science at Home is the show where we tell you the skills you need and the tools you can build at home. We are supported by World of Piggy, thinking human world in mathematical terms. Visit worldofpiggy.com or Twitter at worldofpiggy. Hey, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and help this podcast reach more ears. So tell your friends and colleagues that we exist. We will really appreciate it.